The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And here we gather for another Monday evening. Glad you are aboard a live call in show again, as always, on a Monday night here on Global News Radio. The Employment Law Show, we talk about your employment rights and the common law, of which you have tons until you start not having tons. So you want to make sure you don't fall into that trap. That's why we're here. That's why Stan Fainzelberg is here to answer all of your questions and queries. The phone number open, of course, 416-870-6400. That is the number you want to send along an email. We'll get to a pile of email tonight, by the way, the uh, they've been building up. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And when we're not on the air on a Monday or a Wednesday or the weekend shows, as we're uh, live on Saturday mornings as well at 9 a.m., you want to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is a uh, wealth of information, absolutely free. It's anonymous as well. There is a contact button there at the top. But other than that, you can simply uh, spend some time on the Pocket Employment Lawyer website, shut down your browser, and you are, uh, you're gone. Kaiser Soze. Nobody knows you were there. So uh, enjoy that at your leisure. Anyway, Stan, the man, ready to take flight. So uh, talk to me, Goose. What's going on with you tonight? Uh, feeling good, ready to go. Uh, I wanted to start the week off, John, with a case that really caught my eye, a uh, recent decision from the Manitoba courts. Uh, involving a manager who had been terminated for cause on the basis that she had asked one of her uh, subordinates, who was a good friend of hers, to buy some marijuana edibles for her. Uh, Now, keep in mind, this is in the context of something that happened before the change in the law making marijuana legal. And this manager, interestingly enough, worked for the Manitoba Public Insurance Corporation, which is a crown corporation, which is, frankly, you know, the government itself. So in this particular instance, she was very sick and was afraid to buy it for herself. And and something that really I couldn't believe when I read it, John, uh, this all kind of came to head when the subordinate walked into a manager's meeting and handed her her manager and good friend these marijuana edibles, uh, letting the employer and all of her colleagues know in the process. So immediately the employer took the position that this was cause and fired the manager right away. And the court made a couple of interesting uh, interesting notes here about this case. You know, the, the, the employee made the argument that, you know, at the time the law was about to be changed. Uh, there's a lot of different views about uh, on marijuana that's obviously changed since, since this case uh, or since this person was terminated. That should that still continue to apply, notwithstanding that, you know, we know this drug is about to become legal. And, and the court disagreed and said it doesn't matter, frankly, because in the way in the court made four observations here, it said that the conduct at the time was both criminal and it was contrary to the company's policies. And the company in this instance was, again, the crown, the, the government itself. Uh, it also stated that the manager knew she, that she was responsible for the behavior of her staff and she helped, she used one of her staff to commit a criminal act. Uh, and lastly, she knew, did this because she knew do it, buying it herself would be illegal. And and as well, on top of everything, during the investigation, she wasn't forthright, which, as you know, John, is a big thing that we always tell employees: you gotta be you gotta be honest with the investigation, for better or for worse. So, looking at all that, and and you know, speaking about the changes in the law, the court still said that it doesn't matter in these circumstances. And I think there's some lessons to be learned there 
as as our societal views change around, perhaps other drugs and other substances that become more accepted, and and certainly the the ramifications of that in the employment context. You bet. Uh, you want to reach out, by the way, comments on that or any other questions, 416-870-6400. Of course, live show on a Monday night here, and your phone calls are always top priority. Love having you on the air with us. Sue, in that regard, thank you so much for standing by for a moment. How are you tonight? Good. Great. What's your question? Um, I'm just wondering if all employers are obligated to provide severance packages, or are there any reasons uh, maybe some small company is exempt? No. So uh, what you're talking about, Sue, or what it sounds like you're talking about is that under the Employment Standards Act, it specifically says that if your company has a payroll of less than $2.5 million, they don't have to provide what's called severance pay. Uh, That does not mean you don't get a severance package, nevertheless. Uh, Unless you have a contract that limits your entitlements to the Employment Standards Act, you're entitled to the same severance package that everyone else in Ontario would get as a terminated employee based on your age, your position, and your length of service. So if you're getting let go and your employer's telling you that you don't get a severance pay because their payroll is too small, they're probably not telling you the whole truth. Ah, interesting. Okay, and one other quick question. Sure. Um, when, when you're negotiating a severance package, can, can something like pension and benefits be negotiated? Absolutely. The general idea when you're negotiating a severance package is that you should get the same benefits and entitlements you had while working there for whatever period of time, you know, you negotiate the package for. The idea is that you're supposed to be made whole from a legal, you know, term perspective. So again, if you have benefits, if you have pension uh, contributions that the employer is making, if you have a bonus, if you have a car allowance, all of those things should be part of your severance package. Oh, very interesting. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Sue. Appreciate that. Uh, and it was a little that rare. It was a little rundown memory lane of uh, you know our first few shows of Employment Law 101, which is we invite for sure callers like Sue calling in and asking that basic information. Of course, you got to have it. This is the reason why we do the show. It's just mired in misinformation. Sue, you want to reach out afterwards. You have more questions for Stan or a member of his team. No problem. One eight five five. 821-5900 would be the phone number and the email address as well, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's where we're going to go right now. Jennifer, first one out of the gate, says, uh, guys, I reached out to extend my maternity leave, and during my conversation with the company, they indicated that I may be returning to reduced hours and salary. I was under the impression that they have to provide me with the exact job when I return from maternity leave. Is this something they can legally do? a great question jennifer and you know it's a it's one that you know in mo- most circumstances is very easy to answer because the the short answer is no they can't do that uh changing your if you're coming back from maternity leave then the company is required to either give you your job or give you a reasonably comparable job and keep the same level of seniority and level of compensation mm-hmm. now right now though we again ha- are dealing with unusual times and the government has addressed that with the emergency infectious disease leave uh, regulations and part of what those regulations say is that you know if the government if a company reduces your hours if it reduces your pay uh, if it makes certain changes to your role that is not a constructive dismissal at least not for the purposes of the act 
So if Jennifer is coming back, you know, prior to January 2nd, which is, again, when these regulations have been extended till uh, at least for now, we'll see, we'll see, I'm sure, on December 31st. Um, but right now, there's a little bit of a gray area that makes it, you know, a little bit more ambiguous. Ultimately, I, st- I would still take the position they can't make those changes to your employment. And that common law, that's constructive dismissal. 416-870-6400 is that number. you got lots of time to use it. Live radio show here Monday nights, Wednesday night, weekend shows. I want a reminder as well, the Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV. You can go to the website, uh, employmentlawyer.ca, for details on that. Catch our mugs on television. That's a, that's always a televisual treat. Uh, Jane is up next. Jane, through email, says... Uh, Stan, I was laid off in March, and my company says there is no work for me despite all staff being called back. I even had coworkers reach out to me for advice with respect to my job duties and had vendors send me purchase orders. When I talked to the company about my layoff, they made a bunch of excuses, said sales were low, and they're not certain when they'll bring me back. Do I have to just sit around and wait, or can I actually do something? Yeah, uh, obviously a big, you know, hot topic right now, John. A lot of people sitting around on layoff, not sure what to do, not sure if their employers are sincere in their layoff a lot, or, you know, as what sounds like from this question, frankly, that this person's being replaced and she just doesn't know, know it yet. I mean, these people are calling her and obviously her job duties are being given away and even and even these vendors are sending her orders uh, thinking that she's working there. So obviously business is back, is back up and running for this company. Uh, and certainly, if it looks like this company is back up and running, then you've you've definitely got a constructive dismissal claim there, even irrespective of all these regulations going on right now related to COVID. Uh, because at the end of the day, I mean, regardless of COVID, your your company cannot just replace you and and you know by laying you off and hoping that they never hear from you again. That is, you know, a termination, a constructive dismissal, whatever you want to call it. That that's there's a requirement in that situation that your employer give you severance. Hope you, uh, you understood all of that. Uh, by the way, if you didn't, you can reach out to Stan anytime. That number is one eight five five eight two one. 5,900 and simply go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So many of the things we cover on the show here tonight stand on a, a nightly basis, or at least the shows that we do Monday, Wednesday, and the weekends. A lot of this information can be found at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, a website that the firm put up a few years ago. And people always ask about their severance amount. Well, wrapped into the pocket employment lawyer, of course, is the severance pay calculator. So feel free to use that. At, uh, at your leisure as well. Let's take one short break here. We'll go back to more of your emails. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. But phone lines are open. Use them. Call us. Live show. As always, 416-870-6400. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, welcome back. It is 7.20 on Monday evening. Stan is here answering your questions. You just got to uh, pick up the phone. That's your job. 416 870 
6400. 416-870-6400. Don't be bashful. Bring it on. Live show Monday, Wednesdays, and the TV show, uh, Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV. You can go to either employmentlawyer.ca or stlawyers.ca to find more information and all the uh, things I just mentioned above right here and now. 416-870-6400. The email address we use is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Oh, you're going to love this one, Stan. This one's a beauty. This is a very savvy employer. I use that in extreme sarcastic air quotes. I recently gave my notice, says Jesse, to the company I worked for for the past 10 years, and the next day they told me not to come in and they would pay me for two weeks. Am I entitled to any other compensation? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Jesse, you know, by resigning, you don't, you're not, you have no right to a severance package. Again, severance packages are for individuals who right. have been either terminated or constructively dismissed. Uh, and now, what it sounds like here is that you gave them two weeks' notice, and instead of allowing you to work those two weeks, they just said, no, thank you, we'll pay you out instead because we probably don't want you around uh, messing with our operations, right. as can happen in these types of situations. Uh, but beyond that, unfortunately, Jesse, you're not really entitled to anything. So it's just the two weeks. Just the, well, really, it's not even the two weeks. I mean, you know, when we talk about resignations, John, it all depends on what the contract says. And right. if the contract said, you know, you, you didn't say anything, you technically don't have to give any notice, and they don't have to give you, and therefore they don't have to pay you for anything. Uh, if the contract says that, you know, if they say if the employer asks you in the contract to give you four weeks' notice, that's actually contractual right to both parties. So when you resign and you're relying on that clause mm-hmm. because, you know, you're telling your future employer, well, I, you know, I can't leave. I got to give my company four weeks notice. And you're, again, expecting to earn that income during that time. Your employer actually has to pay you out if they don't want to keep you around. Right. So if, if, if Jesse had done that, say, guys, I'm giving you my notice, say, two weeks, and then the next day, as he says to you, the company says, no, 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 we don't want you around for the two weeks, i.e., we're letting you go, here is two weeks' pay, would they not have to give him severance for the 10 years he'd worked there? Because now they're firing him, they're preempting his re- resignation, or no? It's not that they're preempting his resignation, though. They're just saying, instead of the working notice that Jesse's trying to give them, you know, where they're saying, right. we don't really want to keep you around for that period and we'll just pay you instead. And again, that probably derives from the contractual or the contract here, which requires probably Jesse to give the two weeks notice. So, you know, if you put an obligation like that on an employee in a contract, there's an understanding that whether you like it or not, you're going to have to live by that term. And if that means, you know, paying a guy out two weeks because the contract says he owes you two weeks notice of resignation, then that's what you got to do. You got it. 416-870-6400 is the number. Thank you, Gloria, for hanging on. Good evening. Hi, how are you? Great, my dear. How are you? Great, thanks. Um, This is another maternity leave question. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm currently on maternity leave, and uh, I've wanted to contact my employer to see about extending my maternity leave because my industry has been devastated by the COVID and it's not going to be picking up anytime soon. And uh, they wrote back and said, yes, that's fine. Actually, it suits us very well for you to extend your maternity benefits to January. Um, The proper amounts have been deducted and everything that you can do this. And then the second number that they put was And by the way, when you do return, um, there will be cost-cutting measures, and you may be doing a uh, different job or at a lower rate of pay. Mm -hmm. 
Now, it makes it sound like they want, if I say yes, or I'm supposed to let them know if I'm extending it. Now, it looks to me like they're doing it conditional. They'll extend my maternity benefits, you know, if I'm agreeing that they're going to do cost-cutting in January when I return. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, they're not. it's not really conditional because they don't have much of a choice. Uh, depending, I don't know how many weeks or you've taken so far, but between you and your spouse or, or partner, right. you're allowed to take up to 18 months of uh, parental and maternity leave combined between the two of you. So, again, if you, if you haven't used up your entitlements to that, uh, those weeks... No, you, it'll only be a year in yeah, December. So if it's only been a year, you have an absolute right, whether your employer, frankly, likes it or not, to extend, those, uh, to exp- extend your maternity leave in that situation. Uh, in terms of the second part of that, which is the reduction in your wages and hours, I, something actually we addressed earlier, actually from an email, where the company, where right now it depends kind of when you're going to come back. So if you're coming back after January 2nd, Mm-hmm. As, of right, as of right now, that's when the infectious disease emergency leave of uh, leave of absence regulations are set to expire. And right. at that point, you know, it really clears up a lot of confusion in the law that's going around right now. So but at that point, there's no question. They're not allowed to do what they're talking about doing, which is cutting your hours or uh, your salary. Yeah, you know, I understand if their business is not doing well and it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, you don't, you didn't sign up for that, and you don't have right. to accept it. Okay, that's terrific. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. Not a problem. And yeah, really appreciate your time as well, Gloria. Enjoy the rest of your reading. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the number. Rolling on to uh, Jack. Hey, Jack. Thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Good evening. No problem. Hi, Go guys. Ahead. Yeah, man. How uh, are really- you? Good, good. Uh, really quickly, I've been laid off since April 1st, mm-hmm. and uh, I was going to file for my severance September 3rd, but then the government extended it to January 2nd. So yeah. my question is, if it sounds, uh, a comment you made a little bit earlier, you made it sound that December 31st, they might extend it again, right? Uh, so what, like, what options do I have? Like, because basically what my work is doing right now, they're kind of playing a cat and mouse game with me, right? They're saying, well, how long can you sit at home and half your pay collecting unemployment, right? So how, how long am I entitled to collect unemployment? And what options do I have? If you could help me out. Yeah, absolutely, Jack. So, well, firstly, with respect to how long you're entitled to unemployment, I'm assuming you were collecting the CERB for the first four months or so. That's uh, and correct. If you- yeah, so if you've now uh, essentially uh, exhausted your CERB eligibility, you can actually go back on EI. And depending on where you live uh, in Ontario, the, the amount of EI and how many insurable hours you have, you know, it kind of varies. But stand, the standard is you're probably entitled to about another 40 to 45 weeks of EI after, all, after the CERB is finished. Uh, so that's number one. In terms of your second question, so firstly, I was being kind of uh, facetious when I said, oh, they'll probably extend it on the 31st. I actually have no knowledge of that. Uh, it's kind of, it's just, as you pointed out, what they did the last time, which is they were on September 4th, these regulations were set to expire. And on September 3rd is the, the miraculous day that they decided to spring it on all of us that they're going to extend them. 
Uh, right. So, so you know, hope at least as it's set right now, January second is the last day, and I, I really hope that it will be the last extension because uh, I'm sure there are many employees in situations such as yourself who probably can't survive too much longer beyond that. Uh, because in terms of what you should be doing now, Jack, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult call because as we assume, if you've never been laid off before, if you don't have a contract which gives them the right to lay you off, then Technically, at law, we're still taking the position that it's a constructive dismissal back when they laid you off in March. And again, if you have the, you know, I, I don't know where you're getting this, they're trying to play a cat and mouse game, but if you're hearing rumblings that they're, they've essentially let you go, that, you know, you, you've been replaced or uh, they, they're hiring new people, again, you don't have to just sit around. I mean, if, that, that's a construct. If it's clear you're being terminated and they're just using this as an excuse, you can bring that evidence to court to substantiate your decision, and the court will evaluate. And I mean, if it, if it finds that people are being hired, new people are being hired before you're being brought back, it, it's likely going to say that you were terminated. That was a constructive dismissal back in March when they laid you off because they never really intended to bring you back in the first place. Yeah, they're not. They don't have any intention of bringing me back. They told me so when I had a conversation with them. They told me, basically, go do whatever you need to do. But at the same time, they said uh, the last worst case scenario is we'll pay you your severance. Worst case scenario, they said. So, you know, I um, I don't know. I don't know what to do really. Um, I get, I'm waiting till January second, and then at that point, I'm I want to basically get my severance at that time. That's a decision that I've made right now, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the conversation I'm honestly having. I feel like every day where someone's telling me, what, what should I do? Stand? Should I, you know, should I take, make this decision right now? Should I wait till January 2nd? Are you going to extend these regulations again? You know, I don't think there's any easy answers guys. I mean, I, you know, we can tell you all day that it's a constructive dismissal and you, you know, you were laid off and you're entitled to severance and we feel confident the court's going to agree with us. But at the end of the day, these are people's lives that are at risk and, you know, people are very risk averse ultimately. Yeah, uh, totally. a, lot, a lot of people, it's just not the right decision for them to move forward now. And I totally understand that. Appreciate the, uh, the call brother. Here's the email address. If you want to reach out to stand any further help at employmentlawyer.ca or call the number one eight five five eight. 215900 but for the remainder of this evening you can still call through just like that 416-870-6400 get some answers these are tough and confusing times in the job market especially with covid-19 happening it's it's so confusing going to move on to a team here next email team writes in help at employmentlawyer.ca says uh, i'm currently on cews with my full-time employment company i am wondering if i were to get a part-time job now while well on that do i need to tell my full-time employer about about it uh it really kind of depends team on what your contract says in this situation because a lot of contracts they'll have what we call an exclusivity clause a clause that says that you agree to devote all of your time and attention to the employer or a conflict of interest clause that says you agree not to uh, go and work anywhere else or that might conflict with your duties for the towards the employer and or if you want to do that you have to get a waiver from the company Assuming you don't have a contract like that, then really there's nothing stopping you for right now going and getting a job to tide you over during this uh, layoff period uh, or during the CEWS period. If you, you know, 
ultimately, it's about whether it'll conflict with your duties to the company and whether you know you have a contractual uh, provision that says you can't do it. If you can, any anybody is eligible to go and have two jobs at the same time if they want to. Samantha's up next. Samantha, again, email address we use for everybody, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Samantha says, guys, can my employer take my pension money away even though they paid my share while I am on LTD and receiving WSIB portion of my wages? Uh, This uh, sounds like a lot of situations that I often hear from clients, um, John, where whenever a client ends or an employee ends up getting hurt at work and they end up on WSIB, Employers tend to be a little little peeved because their premiums go up and they start to make rash decisions like what sounds like what's happened here and, frankly, vindictive decisions of now reducing someone's pension entitlements or pension funds. Uh, the reality is that pen, those pension funds that were paid in for the work that you did are already accrued wages. You've already earned that money. Right. Uh, them digging into your pension fund, even though you don't have access to it, that's basically not much different than that them taking your money against your will yes i mean ultimately it may be a harsh way to characterize it but that's what's going on here they're taking you know samantha's rightfully earned income uh that she's you know graciously letting them use probably as part of a pension fund to allow every employee in the company to to use the pension fund and grow their their assets together that's not an invitation for an employer to just go in and raid the pension fund whenever it, it suits their purposes. The number 416-870-6400 is the number you want to use for the remaining time of the show here tonight to call through and ask your questions, or you can send an email. Ernesto is up next, says, I work in a financial planning role. I have been with the company for 23 years and have never uh, had a complaint. A client concern uh, a client concern was raised, and it's my word against theirs. I did not share private information, which is what I'm being accused of, I'm currently off with pay while they investigate. What should I do? So there's a couple of things to to know whenever, you know, in this situation, Ernesto, and just in general, whenever you're facing a workplace investigation where there are allegations made against you, I mean, the first thing you got to think about is really what is the evidence that you have? What is your story and what can you use to try to collaborate that story? Start looking around, emails, text messages, you know, documents, whatever you have, and just trying to piece together as much hard evidence as you can to support what it is your story is going to be. And again, it kind of in, in conjuncture with that, think about what, you're, what the allegations here are and what you're trying to articulate as your story, as your narrative. Uh, walk it through and to make sure you have the recollection you know, down because eventually you're going to be asked to provide this information. And again, you have to provide it in a way that makes you seem credible. And the best way to know that is to, to do that is to be clear and to be consistent in what it is that you're saying happened. Uh, and one of the most important aspects here is be collaborative and be honest during this right. investigation. Um, you know, I, it's all, all, always a difficult thing to be a uh, be accused of something, especially when you feel that those accusations are false. You know, but the, and, and it's natural to feel like the investigator is is your enemy and is out there to, for your job, essentially. And unfortunately, sometimes that's frankly the case. Uh, it's just all you know, papering stuff over. But 
in many situations, these investigators really are hired to try to figure out what happened. And you just need to be as honest as you can, because most of the time, frankly, when people are terminated for cause, it's not the initial actions that are, you know, are really the substance of the cause. It's the lying afterwards that, you know, allows an employer to say, we can never trust this person again because they were dishonest. The uh, number here to call in, uh, by the way, 416-870-6400. Still got time for more of your calls here on this Monday night uh, live edition, of course, of the Employment Law Show. We do it Wednesdays. We do it on the weekends as well. And when Stan's not doing the show, he can be reached at the firm help at employmentlawyer.ca and 1-855-821-5900. Charles, you're up next, pal. Says, uh, guys, I am a full-time employee entitled to benefits through my work. My employer has a plan where they match the amount I pay per month for coverage. I declined the plan through uh, work as I found an independent plan for cheaper. Am I entitled to compensation in lieu of benefits from my employer to offset the cost of my choosing an independent plan? Uh, you know, the short time answer is it's no, it's based on what you can negotiate. So if you can negotiate that with your employer, then that's great for you. You know, that's that's the compensation that you're looking for. But in terms of just a natural offset because you decided to opt out of the group benefits plan, I mean, that group benefits plan is offered by your employer generally, you know, to all employees yeah. as a cost-saving measure to provide cheaper benefits to everyone. And it's based on the – and you're offered that as part of your compensation, but based on the terms that you're being offered it. In this case, if the terms require you to have a 50% copay – uh, then you can choose to participate or you can choose not to participate. But if you choose not to participate, you don't get additional compensation for that. Uh, again, you, your, your compensation in terms of those benefits are based on your willingness to agree to whatever the employer is providing you with. Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, you know, no hope and Bob hope as far as going up the employee asking for a, uh, you know, a little bit of a stipend because you opted out of the program. You're going to get laughed out of the room. You can try it, but I don't think it's going to work. I don't think, I don't think I've ever heard that working before. Uh, Robert's up next. Sorry, you did? Well, no, I mean, I was, I definitely agree with you, John, but I was just going to say that actually there's a lot of different programs and a lot of different uh, types of benefits now being offered that I see are kind of uh, employers offering regular standard group benefits, but a lot of them having health uh, accounts where oh, wow. they'll just give you a, uh, a stipend of two, $3,000 to go and use on any benefits you so choose as long as you provide receipts for those benefits. Right. So some employers, you know, you can talk to them about doing something like that. And it's not, not as unusual as it probably was, you know, even as 10 years ago. Right. Robert, uh, you're up next, pal. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Says, Stan, I work for a retail store. It is changing ownership as the current owner is selling to a new owner. I am keeping my position, and the current owner is staying on as manager. Am I just, I'm just wondering, uh, what should I be concerned about in terms of my job? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing you need to look out for, Robert, is, is this new owner trying to get you to sign a contract? Um, generally speaking, when there's a sale of a business, uh, your employment actually terminates, but then by operation of law, if you continue with the new employer, uh, then they have to recognize your service. Mm -hmm. So one way they can kind of break that chain, break that link, is by having you sign a new contract. And oftentimes what they'll try to do is include terms 
like a termination clause, which will limit your entitlements. And, you know, even though they technically, no matter what, there's no way around it, have to recognize your years of service, they can still introduce this contract to try to minimize the severance you get despite those years. So that's one thing you should always keep an eye out for. And the other one is, is anything changing in terms of compensation or hours or role? Because if those thing changes are happening, regardless of the change in employment and change in ownership, that's still a constructive dismissal. They don't have the authority to do that. Just because a new owner is showing up and doesn't like the agreement you made with the old owner, uh, they, you know, depending on the type of sale, they may not have to hire you. Uh, but they, if they do hire you, they, they certainly have to give you the same terms that you had from before. The number 416-870-6400. Still got a, a few minutes to go here. If you want to grab the phone and make a quick call, you can do so. Nathaniel, uh, until that time is up, says, I am off sick on leave and my employer keeps questioning me about what is up with my health. Do I have to disclose my medical diagnosis to the employer? Yeah, Nathaniel, I mean, I, you absolutely do not have to disclose your medical diagnosis. Um, the only thing your employer is entitled to know is the prognosis. Uh, when you're coming back, mm -hmm. and any sort of restrictions or limitations around accommodation in terms of bringing you back. They have absolutely no, frankly, reason to know your underlying diagnosis. And more importantly, it's illegal for them to ask that question. Catherine, you're coming up. We're going to get Catherine in here. Got a couple minutes left to go. She says, guys, uh, can your employer give you 22 weeks working notice of a layoff instead of severance? when you've worked for them for 14 years, 22 weeks working notice for 14 years of work. So, I mean, it certainly sounds very low uh, based on what I see. In terms of 14 years, I would expect, depending on the age and position, something closer to at least a year at a minimum. Um, that being said, the other thing here to note is that you, you know, if you're getting working notice, even if they gave you 12 months of working notice, 14 months of working notice, which they can technically do. Mm -hmm. uh, if your employer's got a payroll of over $2.5 million, they still owe you severance pay at the end of it. So in this scenario, if they had given her another year of working notice, even though that satisfies her, may satisfy her common law entitlements, uh, the ESA is clear in that severance pay has to be paid to you and not be provided as working notice. And she would still be entitled to 14 or 15 weeks of uh, severance pay at that point. Try to get Shauna in here as the uh, the time's ticking down. Shauna writes in, uh, again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. After working with a company full-time for six years, I was laid off due to COVID. After five months of no communication, they informed me they no longer had a position available for me. I wish to know whether or not cashing the check they gave me as severance would disqualify me from seeking further severance that may be owed. Yeah, this is actually a question I hear a lot more than I would think, John, because there yeah. seem to be a lot of people out there who think that just by accepting money from their employer, they've somehow given up their rights or entitlement or, or agreed to something. Uh, the reality is that that money is already yours. It's your entitlement, and you accepting it and putting it in your bank account doesn't mean you've agreed to anything other than you know that that money was yours to begin with. Uh, you can't give up your right to to sue them, you can't give up your rights to more severance simply by putting a check in your account. The only way you can do that is by positively signing a document saying in exchange for that money, you are giving up those rights. 
So if she signed, a, if they signed a release, then they're kind of uh, that boat sailed at that point, right? Yes, uh, exactly. What we call a phone final release, which in which case you give up your rights in exchange for the severance. And the important thing to know, unfortunately, John, is that the severance—it's not a matter of how much they're giving you. You know, if you take, let's say, a month and realize, you know, six months after you signed the document, hey, you were actually entitled to eight months. Now, unfortunately, as long as it's above the minimum entitlement uh, and they're meeting their statutory obligations, they don't, you know, it's based on whatever you can bargain for. And if you make a bad deal, the court's not going to let you out of it. Let's uh, let's do it for tonight, buddy. That's uh, that's just about all we got. Appreciate all your emails. And if you managed to phone in, we thank you as well. You can return and do it all again Wednesday night here. Uh, on Global News Radio 640, plus the weekend shows and the TV show, Employment Law Show, is happening on Global TV and CTV as well. You can check the website for that, employmentlawyer.ca, help at employmentlawyer.ca, and, of course, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for more information. Do not move a muscle on point. is coming right back with Alex Pearson right here on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.